A huge welcome to Induction Burners with Cat and David. Episode 1, Outsider Art, a frame proposed by your hosts, and rejected by all, with Alyssa McKendrick and Brian Bellot. St. Patrick's Day or some day where like everyone was going it was like basketball day or something and uh and every it was like nine yeah it was like nine in the morning and the whole uh the train station was filled with just drunken um younger people SantaCon is arguably the more abhorrent because it takes something that's really meant for children whereas St. Patrick's Day was always meant for drunk people but as an Irish person, I take special offense at St. Patrick's Day. Because it's more, it hits closer to home. It, yeah, it, on a personal level, it really just burns, burns me up. <laughs> Which is not to say that I have anything against being drunk in public. Just these people, they're not even Irish people. To organize it like that. Yeah. It's, Who the fuck are they? Right. It's uh, tarnishing our It national. seems antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like essentially, well, like dressing up like with like a Native American headdress or something. Um, oh, wait, you were just in Philly, true? That is true. Yeah. Um, I went to the Chris Knowles exhibition um, and I, li- I literally had a woman come up to me while I was sticking my head into a text piece and trying to decipher <laughs> the logic of... Uh, a typing uh, I was looking at a text piece it had been whited out and I was trying to figure out what was under the white out and this woman came up behind me and she was like do you think he can speak normally as well and I said well that's a complicated question I, I mean I'm no expert on Chris Knowles but I think he can speak normally and I think that he thinks of this as a practice he's the first artist to speak only through wall text right right or so I've heard anyway every you know it sounds like a good show everyone's talking about it at the ICA in Philly mm-hmm. should we should we introduce our guest Definitely. We have two guests here to speak on outsider slash maybe folk slash Slash children's. We have Brian Bellat. Hello. Welcome. I was wondering how your last name was was pronounced. Finally revealed. Melissa McKendrick is a painter. Uh, Have maybe seen her work at Real Fine Arts recently, Uh, but maybe from the cat show at White Columns. Um, the famous the cat famous show. cat show maybe from her modeling work at White Collins um, <laughs> my famous <laughs> um, all of these things yeah that was an incredible show that cat show all those cats got adopted is that true all I've, the cat work got adopted I've, no the cats <laughs> all of the drawings and paintings was, got adopted was your painting adopted uh, no but I gave one as a present to my boyfriend recently really so a cat painting a cat drawing, yeah. Oh, cool. No, there were cats in the center of the Yeah, there were real yeah. cats for oh, adoption. Okay. Live cats. And they were adopted. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Is that a Darren Bader piece? or? Nope. 
No? no. I was just... Okay. But you remember he did something like that at PS1? Yeah. yeah. We want to have that gold on mic. So they stole that idea from him. Yeah, right. Put on the set list, I wrote down cats as a as a potential topic. But it, I'm glad that we got yeah. there naturally. Was um, that cat's idea? Um, that was cat's <laughs> idea. Cat, Wasn't she, mine. she's pitching cats on for all of our shows. So um, to, to start out, I guess, like to set the scene, I'm, I'm going to inaugurate the first of what hopefully will be a regular segment on this show, which is uh, I run the topic of our show past my roommate Clay and Clay see Schiff? what he says. Clay Schiff, a Claytopia um, <laughs> some number, as, as people know him on Instagram. And hopefully this will become a, a fan favorite topic or segment. Um, What's his Instagram handle? Uh, Claytopia, I think zero like seven. He's gonna kill me. It's there. really good. He's a fantastic Instagrammer. He's he has a genius on Instagram. Absolutely, yeah. and a really good painter. Cool. And uh, a good painter. And so, what's the handle again? You said Claytopia six seventy five. I like um, cool. everything. I said to him, uh, you know, we're doing a podcast about outsider art, and he said, boy. Uh, I wonder what are some of the other names that people uh, use well, to describe them. Exactly, we can all do a, a fantastic clay impression. <laughs> he's because um, he's a wonderful Art man. Brut. Art, um, Art brute, man. Hey, hey, that's all right. Art uh, brute. <laughs> yeah, uh, I read it that. But so he said, I wonder what other um, things people use to describe what you mean when you say outsider art. And he said, well, for instance, like untrained artist or visionary artist or uh, uh, the art of the insane or self-taught and then he also said what about fan art um, which yeah. I thought seemed like a really interesting kind of maybe way to start this conversation maybe even a more contemporary way of framing that that like distinction than fan art yeah 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 I would agree that is cool addition um, what I, I've actually uh, found you know I collect books and go to thrift stores and junk stores all that kind of stuff looking Books. for material like like what you're talking about so uh, um in connection to uh the fan art what i found are like um people who are obsessed like with collecting different things like uh, american furniture will make price guides and draw everything so instead of having photographs of all of the furniture they'll go and draw everything like I have a series of books of shot glasses where it wasn't enough for the guy to collect the shot glasses but he redrew them almost as though he's digesting them further excuse me is this a present day practice to uh, draw these items um I think yeah there has to be someone some crazed collector out there that it isn't enough for them to you know collect whatever it is but drawing them is a another way of digestion well, another way of touching of um i found like a handful of stuff like that you know a lot of these are from the 70s this, mm -hmm. the one that really comes out to me is a guy who loved shot glasses and you know of course a shot glass a glasses you know normally has text or images printed around a cylinder so there's a lot of like him choosing what angle you see and what is abstracted and the guy isn't a great drawer so it becomes even more complex and almost like that that they're just brimming with excitement that they have to squeeze more excitement out of it and so the drawing process is another way of them actually touching it yeah that's something that i wonder about the i mean not that we have to be wedded to the term of outsider art but that kind of impetus to 
digest something by copying it or by making an image of it rather than making it with the notion of, well, I'm an artist, so I'm going to do this and this is part of my practice. Um, an urge that needs to be. Yeah. And done. that would also feed into children's art, right? Like, yeah, they have no notion of it fitting into a history of art or a history. Right. They're just plowing forward. Right. Or why they're doing it. Well, it depends on if they're in a classroom or not, too. That's true. Or if they're precocious or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or if they're bored. (laughs) Right, totally. Bored or, you know, talented or whatnot. Um, But, Brian, so you, like, have collected children's art or books of children's art and and part of your, yeah. Yeah, um, my mom was a teacher. I'm lucky enough to have a lot of my own drawings from when I was a kid. Um, I was always going through the trash, and where I grew up in Jersey, was I was surrounded by schools. Found art. So there was, I was constantly finding children's art in the garbage around my house. And so, you know, I was getting it from there. I was getting it from my mom's elementary school. So, yeah, I have tons of that material. Totally. But you are not a child. <laughs> uh, True. It depends. Will you confirm that for the podcast? I am not a child. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I act like one. How would you describe like that the translation process? Looking at material like that, and then how it kind of, you know, comes into stuff that you make, like pouring sand on calculators or whatnot. I mean, it's like a childish impulse, but like, what? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, um, there's several ways you could talk about it. You know, I love art brute or I love the idea of innocence of plowing through material without having knowledge of it. You know, there's something I like that, like when the, you know, you are just like kind of an idiot plowing through, um, using materials the wrong way. Who Um, are we calling idiots? I'm calling myself an idiot. Um, Great. That's what I. That's what I'd <laughs> hoped. But I like the idea of like using materials the wrong way, or or at least that you know, the person right, the art brute originator, Dubuffet, is like kind of very invested in that kind of like material practice. Yeah. Which... Did anybody see the folk museum show? There's a show of his collection oh, at really? the folk museum at the Before moment. Before it got oh. I, He started like a little, like a smallish museum of art brute. What did you think of it? Um, I mean, some of the stuff is really beautiful, for sure. Um, I mean, whenever I see, like, a fascination with, I don't know. It seems like I, I I pick up on some of the similar problems that you were alluding to earlier about like you know the larger sense of like what is outsider art and who gets to decide what it is and what assumptions are made um i mean there are certainly like larger questions in the show oh yeah was any guest on chazak in it i don't know but that's one of those things where most of the artists that are highlighted there definitely did think of themselves who is Gaston Chazak? Yeah. He, he was like um, someone that um, Du Buffet was really obsessed with. He was someone that, you know, um, he could have even stolen a lot of information from him. And it was a guy um, who went in and out of. What was his work like? 
Uh, it's he's an amazing colorist, like better than Dubuffet. Maybe Fett I'll color. look it up on my computer. Right, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa is like our is <laughs> guesting as our fact checker on this podcast. He went in and out of what? Wait, Gaston. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't. It doesn't look familiar from the show. But Dubuffet was like collected him, or that was a particular kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's known more in Paris, and it's someone that Dubuffet, he's big in like, Paris. Latched himself onto, helped. And at a certain point, um, he even like accused Dubuffet of like you know, does, maybe stealing. His does legs. he have a story that um, might put him like into an art boot category? Like he went in and out of like, insane, insane asylums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, most of Dubuffet's touchstones, I feel like Adolf Wolfley <coughs> and um, oh, I can't remember the name of that wonderful woman artist. But there was a whole movement in Germany right before the World Wars where they were uh, using art as a form of therapy and of psychoanalysis for, I think, for the, I don't want to be quoted on that, but for patients who are severely schizophrenic or had deeply rooted neuroses. Um, And Dubuffet obsessively collected those drawings. And they're all totally amazing, but there is also that question of, um, these people, as I, I was sort of starting to talk about earlier, definitely considered themselves artists. Yeah. And yet their work was recontextualized as sort of a an oddity, like a freak show, like where someone is actually performing and doing their thing, and yet they're being contextualized as... Outsiders first. Yeah. Second. Or as, isn't it bizarre how... That was the that was the number one sort of push and pull uh, discomfort that I found in the Chris Knowles exhibition because I think it they, it was very sensitively done and it's clear that he has an incredible facility. What, what is his story? Or is yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Not Christopher Knowles. Yeah, Christopher Knowles. Who did the the three Batman movies? The three the three <laughs> Batman movies, but not the most recent one. No, he was a protege of Robert Wilson, who was discovered via, I think, a demo tape that he... His parents gave to. That his parents gave to Bob Wilson. Yeah. um, Using his sort of repetitive text poem structures, but that were more sort of analytical than lyrical poetry, right? Do you... I mean, if you know more... No, no, I just know that... That that um they wound up being the libretto for Einstein on the beach and then a lot of those yeah they collaborated up until I think eighty seven yeah and uh, during that time he made a tremendous amount of text based artwork sort of Carl Andre esque uh, typewriter poems or and also incredible drawings and paintings and he made a bunch of set uh, Lego flags I heard was one but I think there is that sort of t- pull when you're looking at his work and considering his story to uh, fetishize the work as oh my god this is so obsessive this is so quirky there this is so uh, the desire to put yourself in the perspective of this person and figure out how their mind processes things which is maybe not (laughs) what you want to well, be the there, first thing that comes. There's kind of this idea that if you're like an obsessive, then that's like not a normal 
but that's like different than the baseline of what like an artistic practice should be but of course obviously there's well obsession i feel like that's what we all want to watch is someone who's obsessed with something whether it's throwing a, a basketball through a hoop or redrawing baseball cards whatever it is that's what you know if you want to be a successful artist i think it's like you need to be doing more work than nine than five you have to be putting to buy into your conviction you you have to be so obsessed yeah so i don't see it as much as as a deficiency and i think it's about trying to find that subject or that drives you nuts that keeps you up that late at night you know working on it i mean i'm always trying to look for that subject in the studio that keeps me working an extra three hours what is that like right at the moment um it's i'm working on a new group of stuff called puffs the group of paintings but going back to um like the whole art brew thing where where i come into it is like i I guess i just have to define it like you know the idea of trying to draw well like draw uh, like anatomy and all that stuff like i'm interested in the opposite of that and i always have been because I feel that, like, I mean, even if you're looking at, you know, Picasso or Van Gogh or any of those guys, it's like when the body is distorted is when it becomes interesting or when it becomes emotional. But that's when interesting. I, oh, I'm sorry. When you look at Michelangelo, all I see is, like, big muscular things. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a modernist. I like things distorted, whether it's Kirshner or or any of those guys I think you know that's and that's what I look a, towards like kids art for is the distortion of the body the you know naivete, yeah but a little distortion versus it you know like a tutored like knowing how to render um, stuff when you look at kids art and you see distortion do you find that it's because of um a psychological thing that is causing distortion or where the interest is or is it technical well i mean kids ki- well probably both i mean you know kids don't have like control over their limbs the way an adult does and they're also you know that much smaller so they're looking at things all different their mother they're looking at their mother's knees most yeah of the time. so there's a lot of things at play why a kid's drawing is distorted mm-hmm. um they're like little aliens. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, even the idea of trying to um, untutor your hand by, let, let's say, drawing with a very long pole. Mm-hmm. Or I've, like, drawn in an airplane uh, using, like, a pen at, at its very end, so I have less control, mm-hmm. you know. Do you enjoy drawing? Like, drawing an airplane is hard, or, like, on a bus or anything like right. it's like it's because like you those things are bumpy they're bumpy yeah. right my studio you know i mean it's not perfect but at the very least i expect it to not be bumpy well and that's an interesting question if you are trying to get away from drawing well or drawing are you trying to draw badly or how are you how do you translate that in the opposite well at this point like i just try to scale up a project that's larger than my facility so so that's how it becomes childlike because it's larger than my ability. Hmm. And what about you, Alyssa? Well, what do you mean? Well, do you uh, do you try to draw or do you try to paint uh, with technical 
specificity oh, technical or ability yeah. or discipline uh, or inability um not really i mean i think that for me um i don't i don't have the same relationship to or like as an intense relationship to child's art as brian does but um I think for me, the most inspiring thing about kids' art is the fact that they enjoy making art. And um, that's what I try to do. <laughs> that's, that's Just hard. have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just like be cool and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You are my favorite movie star. You are my big buddy. You are a lowdown right man. You are crazy like a roll lizard. Arnold Schwarzenegger! You are the greatest. You are my kind of guy. You are my buddy. You are my main man. While we were gone, the the question of what does inside outside even mean is that even a useful distinction? Words. I mean, I don't. I don't even think they're like that interesting of a of a set of ideas for contemporary art, quote unquote. But the history of that separation still seems to resonate. Well, I feel like they're not that interest. I mean, I agree with you, but it still rears its ugly head. Totally these distinctions, like. Um, I feel like I saw on like a Facebook post or something the one of the Turner Prize nominees is saying that Aboriginal art should not be called contemporary art. Really? Wait. Um, yeah. Wow. Bring out a laptop. <laughs> what laptop is that? So I feel like these ideas of like outsider or, you know, I don't know. They float around. These ideas float around still in their ways. From the from the Sydney Morning Herald, British <laughs> British Turner Prize winning artist Grayson Perry questions Australian Aboriginal painting. Yeah, no, it, it. I mean, these things still. I mean, even the folk art museum as a thing, as distinct from. Well, the that wasn't that part of why. Semi close. Yeah. <laughs> right, but it's, it's such a problematic. I mean, well, and yet we have the booming outsider art fair yeah totally and where we find like beautiful work but we just yeah. can't get down with the term like where would you position either one of you where would you position daniel johnson's work for example the 90s <laughs> <laughs> good fair, one fair <laughs> on a cool t-shirt <laughs> Yeah, on the front of my body. All right. <laughs> so fan art. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because these distinctions kind of like well, aren't I, as meaningful in other media, right? Like, I feel like as artists, we sort of like, well, I sort of like take comfort in the fact that I don't have to position it anywhere as, you know, it's something I like or something I don't like. Yeah. You're the one who decides, cat. <laughs> mm, well, then I say... 
as a decision maker, I say outsider <laughs> maybe is um, an outmoded term. An outmoded term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know that. But Although, it's still, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. How do you draw inspiration from the work of children? Like the, the work, the, the children's drawings that you collect? Um... I don't. I mean, I don't know. But several ways. Like, uh, since I collect a lot of books about children's art, also can you know a lot of these books are having to deal with um, art um, for children for art school for um, elementary school curriculum. So within there, not only examples of of children's art, but workshops, different types of things like sponge prints or a spring, uh, string prints or you know. Um, just very basic or primitive ways of printing or you know all those little things so of course I'm going to screw with some of these techniques um, but that goes back to like material it's like a material you see technical yeah. I mean when I see your work though I mean I feel like it's this, this like the psychology stuff is like heavy in there and like an adult man <laughs> like painting these images is really it's really compelling um so do you have like any response to questions about the psychology of of your work in relationship to children's work i guess the only things i can think of again is like the idea of something sounding normal and even and then something sounding dissonant and strange and I like the dissonant and strange versus mm-hmm. even, even keel. And, you know, like, I like Flonius Monk. I like his chords are strange, and it sounds like he's added a little vinegar into the mix. Like, I don't know. I like dissonance versus something straight ahead. Um, but how do you, I mean, do you, like, because I feel like the same question in some ways, like, there's a kind of psychology to the way that, figuration of children in your work like, presents itself like with these kinds of material usage that at moments seems uh, super skillful and then at moments seems to be like pulling against skill in some ways like that, where does like the psycho- psychological element kind of you know exist in your stuff Alyssa <laughs> um, I don't know <laughs> yeah I mean no one has to know yeah <laughs> know? What, what about um, another thing <laughs> Um, what about like the comedian and the the comedic character who's an adult, like you know Chaplin or whoever, who's who's the antihero, who's actually like setting up a situation to trip themselves. That's what I think of a comedian is like to kind of show their innocent. And how do you create that innocent thing? But like stack plates up way too high and put on roller skates yeah it's that question of naivete versus uh knowingness of i'm doing something wacky or i am uh appropriating something very free and sort of childishly naive uh as a as an adult yeah and that whole thing is very self-deprecating right which i think is like a beloved characteristic of comedians and many artists yeah 
of a specific, yeah, anti-hero or something. Like Gober sticking a big pipe through a couch. Totally. What the hell is that? Or like, I mean... And then or Urs Fisher putting a lighter like through a chair. Self-ennobling artists, of, you know, like Schnabel or whoever. V- versus that. Yeah. yeah, versus like the uh, matador or the totally. Yeah. Wait, who's the matador? Well, like Picasso or or oh. um, who who you just mentioned, Schnabel, someone who's yeah. proudly standing erect, like oh, a I was taking that way more literally. Who's <laughs> I was excited. Smoke rings out of their nostrils as they hug themselves deeply. Picasso is the matador. Is always the answer. Schnabel <laughs> is. The bull. Schnabel, Schnabel, is the, <laughs> Schnabel is the matador. The matador. I was going to say he's the bull. He's the bull. Um, so, Alyssa, you also teach children, and so you have kind of a boots-on-the-ground perspective in terms of how kids map things out on paper or how you ask them to make images. What do you? What's your perspective on children's art? Um... My perspective on kids' art, well, I think a lot of kids like art, which is good, and which, you know, sort of going back, it's like, that's always inspiring. Um, One thing I've been thinking about recently, though, is the way that, like, well, in thinking about this show, and thinking, like, this podcast, and, like, Art Brute, Um, I feel like I've been thinking of some like paradoxes between, you know, children as natural, you know, going ahead, carefree artists and also the way we teach them. Because if you go into like any classroom, really, where art is taught, you see, I mean, not my classrooms, of course, but you see like the same couple of like artists shown to the kids and the kids sort of like wait you know, which artists and, you, and you've worked as a day job as, for, as a teacher Van Gogh, yeah. Escher, no. Picasso oh yeah yeah um they always have like a Matisse project always a Frida Kahlo project like wow. well this is just like sort of like going into like other teachers classrooms and looking online at assignments it's like yeah like they all know who Picasso is and it's really just like it seems like the same maybe like dozen artists like Keith Haring um do you think it's Escher just like these people who like projects are based off of so I mean like yeah in one way kids are these like natural like um carefree artists but we're like really given giving them this specific sort of like art history in this specific canon and they're also human recorders they'll like record anything and repeat it Yes. Right. So that's what you're kind of <laughs> saying. So if you gave them a Lisa Yusagovich and you're like, please uh, recontextualize this bosomy <laughs> uh, rounded pregnant woman. and The school would be shut down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so maybe. I mean, a part of it is just that like culture, it's hard or like it's slow for people culture to is like, hard. Take, in, take in like art, I feel like in a lot of ways. Like you get the sense of like mainstream, like school kind of doesn't actually you know if you bring something complicated right or just like maybe a lot of teachers are aren't really up for the that challenge or something Mm -hmm. i don't know well and i remember seeing the drawings that your colleague sophia casas 
showed me of a project that she did with her kids who I think were maybe in fourth or fifth grade and she had given them an assignment to draw their perfect shoe Mm -hmm. and because the the project and the relevance to their lives and the fact that they were obviously like thinking about dope shoes and they're drawing like really cool shoes they drew the coolest shoes Mm. they drew shoes that anybody would (laughs) and they drew shoes that looked like fucking warhol early like early 60s 50s advertisements they were incredible those were two very cool kids though so (laughs) they weren't like thinking about a specific artist or something doing their they're doing work created to their own interests and, exactly yeah you know what they would want to wear on their feet yeah. they're defining cool like, they're defining cool. what do you think people read into i mean when people like are um over investing kind of in like or that space of children's art or like you know that like when people are over investing in children's art or like when you know you're sort of saying like in some ways there's this element of uh, like regurgitation or something that's like going on with with like projects that are going on in school, right? Um, I think it has to do with skill. Like they introduce artists whom they think the children can replicate easily. Right. Um, well, and that's a weird idea that you would have a child replicate something rather than tell yeah, them. Yeah, it's really weird, but it's super common. I mean, do in, in elementary school or like any schooling, have you guys ever been told to like recreate a painting or a drawing? Oh, totally. Well, we didn't have art in Seattle public schools. Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> Seattle left behind. <laughs> Seattle left behind. <laughs> but that is like, I mean, right? There's There's an era when kids seem to just make nothing but gold and then, you know, you tell them, to start to like draw something realistically or something and skill kind of right. comes into play and then it kind of becomes this whole other thing right? and then they're like i can't draw right then it's like yeah. i don't like drawing this is boring yeah um, or this is like hard yeah or i'm bad at it yeah and then you have to be like you don't need to be good at drawing to be an artist totally. but in, in your collection brian do you like is there on that spectrum between like rendering kind of and just like early yeah, and the, and the, the you know ten on when you start to try to get it right, be yeah. able to draw. Do you think ten like, is the age? Uh, Ten's the age of what? Of when, the shift when the, is when oh, it happens. Mm-hmm. I would say it's somewhere in four, fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth grade. That makes sense. Yeah, where you start to draw like you know, the record cover, CD cover, whatever of you know, and you want to get the face correct and. When you see foreshortening of a nose coming at you, it's you don't you're like baffled how to deal with that versus putting it sideways or something. It seems mm. so impossible. I rem- I remember being like, oh my god, I can't, I'll never get an arm to feel like it's coming ahead of yeah, the back of the arm. Yeah, foreshortening still seems yeah. so impossible <laughs> to me. It's like magic. <laughs> but it's even if you take a photograph, let's just step back for a second. Even if you take a photograph of an arm like this, like an arm extending out in in front of you and you show someone the photograph it doesn't it doesn't look right it doesn't look like anything that you would be able to yeah. foreshortening is just a mess it's just we a myth just, i think nobody not, should get their arms out no, no <laughs> arms in arms, arms in arms down or arms up under shortening you were just saying that uh brian that punks are people who do things incorrectly um yeah maybe yeah 
Yeah. But they do punk or actually. That's true. That is the punk. <laughs> the punk way. Maybe to be punk right now is to do punk right. I don't know. You know, being Dada would almost at this point being an accountant. <laughs> be, you know, because there's only so much of smashing cellos until it becomes like, of oh, course. he's going to smash a cello again. Like, They're I should, ready. I should smash some figures. You know, let, why not put together uh, an accounting firm? Maybe that's Dada. Totally. Um, it's true. I feel like the most counterculture thing you might be able to do in our community is to set yourself up like an Etsy line of tea cozies and uh, market the hell out of them. <laughs> like, and really, so I'm going off on a tangent. No. I, have a, no, I have a friend who was thinking of doing like an Etsy-ish type of business. Really? And really drove himself insane thinking like how that can be an artistic practice. Right. And yeah, it's such a... Because his lines are so porous now. It's, it's like is, And it's such a new kind of marketplace. Yeah. And it's like how to brand yourself as like having these multiple positions, I guess, of being like a designer slash entrepreneur slash just kidding. It's all of my art project. Did they end up like start like... No. How far did they go? It's just an idea that drove him crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, but Brian, you you were saying uh, when we were off pod that uh, you uh, you work for someone who would describe themselves as an art Buddhist or who maybe at least would you know? Yeah, I had one um, uh, assistantship gig. I worked for close to ten years for an artist named Donald Bachelor, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he definitely would be affiliated to Art Brute. He's an 80s artist, and uh, he actually has a show coming up this uh, November 24th at Chime and Reed. Oh, cool. And it's actually going to be highlighting a lot of this early work from the 80s. So it's old. It's like mostly old work? Yeah. 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 And uh, Did you work on any of those pieces? No. This no. Is no. no. Um, but yeah, I guess he would be, you know, someone who is collected uh, art um outsider art or whatever you want to call that and then all of its different forms from a grandmother making stuff in her house to someone in jail to but he's he's a like drug been addict. showing in galleries for a while right or, oh yeah yeah for years totally yeah, yeah but he's like a collector of this kind of ephemera or oh yeah stuff. yeah, yeah and, uh, not, you know also a collector that processes it into like this kind of massive encyclopedia that then he then turns into paintings so he's taking images from everything from 1950s uh children's coloring books to um like um um when i think of him i think of ice cream cones yeah yeah he has a couple symbols <laughs> that he's kind of you know boiled down his whole career to a couple things but in actuality like to boil down my career to ice cream <laughs> <laughs> but what is his relation his relationship to art brute well um he just like really liked the untutored hand you know i think that that's kind of what we're talking about here is uh, someone that doesn't have the you know things that don't look right the, the anatomy isn't right it's not fitting on the page right for for whatever um, reasons because of that the lack of technical skill or inebriation or youth 
or on and, his part like no no on the, the people that he's collecting sure. that then he's processing and then repainting you know right. um so his collection winds up um going into his paintings eventually but he's interested what he's always on the scout for is what we're talking about here it's an outsider-ish hand which would mean would you say in that sense it's like more of a kind of compositional thing than even like a sim like he's not like taking symbols from the artwork that he's collecting it's more kind of a sensibility or like an approach to like picture making i think he just likes stuff that isn't doesn't look correct right you know so anti-heroic something strange something off kilter wrong um we also uh well you know i have a proposal for a segment which would be guest picks guest picks yeah so there's like anything that you like think is really great that you've seen recently Alyssa mckendrick picking oh let me think I'm going to the Jewish Museum tomorrow. Yeah, this the show seems to be getting a lot of traction. So Unorthodox featuring yeah. Brian Balat. Right, which are you Brian in is that? in. Uh, luckily enough, I managed oh, to squeak in. Just sheer luck. So I have some sand calculators are you there. Jewish? No, but now by default I am. In, um, is that true? They bestow that upon you just from inclusion in the show. Oh, that's amazing. So you and your kids. Yeah, no, and also, um, you know, my girlfriend is Jewish, so oh. she is rubbed off on me. So your children will be Jewish? Yes. <laughs> and I love the Marx Brothers and all types, forms of uh, Jewish comedy, so I'm kind of obsessed. Jewish comedy? The Marx Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Mazel tov, you're a Jew. <laughs> Mazel. <laughs> Mazel. Uh, do you have anything else you want to celebrate or to highlight that is happening that you've enjoyed of late? Uh, I wish the Mets won. I don't even care about basketball, but so that's actually a non. <laughs> that's not basketball. That's a bummer. Um, that's more just <laughs> have a show next year at Oh Wow, January sixteenth. That's awesome. Excellent. Yes. Uh, Outsider to sports. And did you see anything of late that you enjoyed? No. I can't think of anything. I don't know. Ben Morgan Cleveland's really big couch. That's yeah. true. It's been getting rave reviews. That was truly a romp, that couch. Well, at the um actually the greatest thing I've seen was at the Jewish Museum show. Um and as soon as you walk in the doors there's videos of this amazing her name is Valenska Gelt incredible incredible this um, Jewish woman um, who was in vaudeville who um, is when I, as soon as I walked into the exhibition I saw two videos and she's sucking her thumb and so when I got home I was like yeah this is great I like this and I, r I ran home and tried to find whatever I could on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And she does an uh, incredible impression of a baby. What's her name? Uh, Valens Valenska Gelt. Gelt, G-E-L-T. What's her Instagram handle? <laughs> she, she's not living anymore. Oh, but, um, unfortunate. So what's her Instagram yeah, handle? Yeah, so, <laughs> so ghost at... <laughs> 
but I, it's amazing. Just look up on uh, YouTube and the number one video of her, if you go like about four minutes and 50 seconds into this compilation, you can see her do this amazing impression of a baby with all the gurgles and the inhales. And what was wild is, is that she was also in um, Juliet of the Spirits. She was the hermaphrodite. What is that? Um, wow. Juliet of the Spirits is a Fellini movie. Oh, okay. Um, Who's that? He's, <laughs> what country is he from? He's <laughs> Italian. Oh. oh, how interesting. <laughs> but she plays a hermaphrodite who's coughing up and um, saying, isn't my hair beautiful? She She's a real, um, you know, messed up mime. Cool. That sounds really recommended. Really good. Yeah. Great pick. Do you have a pick? Um exciting recently oh um rh quitman show at miguel brew um it's good uh it's good yeah all right oh yeah nathan for you also say is like great um the yeah. best thing in the world i've been watching youtube clips of the room the movie right let's <laughs> let's talk about the the room actually yeah the, the, the room is like sort of the, room room the most outsider <laughs> art of um, what what like brought you art. to the room like recently um well, are you in, uh, the upcoming James Franco movie? Wait, no. But he's like making a movie, like or writing. I think he's. I think it's a movie. He's like directing a movie about the making of the room. No, he is not. Yes, he is. Hmm. No, he is not. Maybe it will be good. The Ultimate Ryan Insider Collette, directing the piece of the Ultimate Outsider. You don't know what the room is. You need to YouTube. You will love the room. The room is really fucking weird. Yeah, it's very strange. It's like it's like. The, it's the worst movie ever that's like so Alyssa can you just describe it yeah it's like um it's a feature length movie which is weird because it has this like really simple plot that is like whatever relationship love failure it's almost like a david lynch movie it's like very classic like american kind of stories or like you know yeah he's like a normal guy like having yeah like the not to give anything away but the storyline is like very generic but none of the scenes make any sense and all of the dialogue is like super like over there's a lot of overdubbing that doesn't make sense overdubbing or... and i mean i say this in the best way but it's like super esl yes. it's like oh hello i will take one coffee and one cheesecake thank you and oh i didn't see you there you're my you're written. my favorite customer <laughs> <laughs> it's written and directed and stars like the same person Tommy Wiseau, Wiseau, yeah. Tommy of Tommy Wiseau Productions, yeah. but it's very like self-made and seems to exist like completely outside of. Is it outsider? Would it be considered outsider? Um, fan. Well, the thing is that like supposedly it had a six million dollar budget. Right. Well, so I feel like anybody no. who's handed like a couple million. I heard the story that like that the. But the, it's like a dr- laundering part of the laundry. No, that that the that. that that it was like his Spanish teacher or his English teacher. Like he moved from like another country and got lessons. I'm I'm like paraphrasing the story. That for a while though, he pretended he grew up in Louisiana. <laughs> really? Yeah. So what is that job though to make a film if you're terrible at it? 
I mean, or. But he thinks he's great at it. That that conviction is like what makes the well, thing. Well, what like is our work. job to watch a film that is that is terrible? Mediocre. Yeah. Oh, it's not mediocre. It's. <laughs> I feel like we cannot watch mediocre things. They either you, have to be like terrible or right. Good. Right. Well, because everyone, I feel like the distinction is you can't. You can totally teach someone how to be mediocre. Actually, it's like very. You know, it's you just produce the average thing kind of and the the thing that's really wrong in every way like because wrong is not even something you can teach exactly right that's i mean that's like the thing about the it's so surprisingly incorrect in ways that, that you didn't even realize would be compelling or something until you see it and you're like oh this is horrible on some level or like but is also completely fascinating i can't choose Thanks. Whoa.